This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hockey fans, and welcome back to Podcast with Statsman and AJ Rotowire's Hockey Podcast Show. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My partner on these pods, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. That's AJSCHOLZ24. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about the eighth week of the NHL season. As always, our aim is to identify the most added and dropped players, as well as new roster opportunities and storylines around each team. And each week, we find something on each of the 31 clubs, so I'm anxious to get on with that. But before I do, I'd like to welcome my co-host back, a guy who stands with his hands full and his baby girl. He was telling me just before we went to the air that he had a rough night, so we'll see how that <laughs> translates to these, today's show. Uh, usually, though, I ask you, uh, AJ, about some of your activities about the pod, uh, around, uh, outside the pod, rather, but I have a bucket list item of my own coming up. This Sunday, I'm flying out to Dunedin, Florida, the home of the Blue Jays spring training site, to play baseball with many Blue Jays legends in Robbie Alomar's fantasy camp. I'll be there for a week of real baseball fun, so there'll be a replacement for our pod in this chair next week. Uh, with that, I'll turn it over to you, pal. How you doing, AJ? Uh, Paul, I'm doing all right. Uh, that uh, that sounds like an awesome opportunity. Should be a lot of fun, uh, you know, playing uh, some baseball with some some legends of the game, uh, you know, of your favorite team. That that sounds like a, a great time. Uh, hope you enjoy it and uh, get uh, some rest and relaxation to gear up for the the rest of the NHL season. Uh, speaking of opportunities, one opportunity I want to remind our listeners about uh, is to join me in the battle against ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, as it's called. Uh, talking a little baseball here this morning seems appropriate. Uh, today is what's been dubbed Giving Tuesday, uh, kind of in that Black Friday, Cyber Monday consumerism, uh, a movement to, you know, take back uh, some of that with uh, what they're calling Giving Tuesday today. I want to ask our listeners to consider supporting me as I ski the 50-kilometer American Berkebiner as a way to raise funds in the hope of finding a cure for this terrible disease. So just going to throw that out there on this appropriate day. Uh, but before we kick off the rest of the show, I'll remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us. We'll try and answer your questions uh, during uh, the week. You can follow me, as Paul mentioned, at AJSholes24, and you can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. 
All right, AJ, let's get through these 31 teams and pick out that storyline or two where we'll highlight a number of circumstances that evolved just as we said they would actually in the last couple of weeks. And uh, right off the top, I look at Anaheim. We begin with a follow-up on the notion that we exposed here last week when we noted injuries on the blue line affording Josh Manson more higher leverage minutes. And he continues to come up big for them, playing large minutes and notching another goal last week. Up front, you can also consider ads of second liners here whose opportunity at nice time has risen in the face of uh, injuries uh, elsewhere. But Cogliano, Wagner, and Silverberg were all blank last week. Oftentimes, these increased opportunities don't equate to better numbers. Yeah, that's... That's a great point, Paul, and one that uh, I'm sure we'll highlight later in the show. Just because you get more ice time doesn't automatically uh, mean you're going to start getting points. You know, we talked about a guy, uh, and we'll probably touch on him later, about Patrick Sharp. Uh, plenty of ice time for him, just goals and points not coming. Uh, one guy that has capitalized on his very limited ice time of late is Francois Beauchemin. Uh, he got a goal in his one game, uh, which fantasy owners will certainly be happy about, but has served as a healthy scratch in four of the last five. So uh, that's one guy who's uh, on the outs uh, with the blue line getting healthy. I'm a little surprised to see Corbin Holzer uh, also, uh, watching from the press box more often, I thought he'd be a bigger part of this blue line. Uh, but as we mentioned, guys like Josh Manson, Brandon Montour, uh, even Kevin Bieksa, who's become a little bit of a, uh, uh, <laughs> fighter, uh, um, you know, uh, he looks like a UFC fighter out there with his, uh, one punch knockouts, but, uh, he, you know, he's earning a role on this team. And so some other guys are, are, uh, relegated to the press box. We move on to Arizona, and I didn't think I'd be looking at Max Domi as a buy-low uh, candidate, but the fact of the matter is he hasn't really been scoring very much this year. Picked up an empty netter against the last, uh, Leafs last week for his second goal of the season. But uh, the 11 assists that he's got remind me that he's got, still got a lot of great skill and is still considered a key asset in the makeup, makeover that's happening in Arizona. So if he's available, you might want to uh, get him and stash him because he's going to be a scorer for this team. But uh, that's his pedigree, and he's just going through a bit of a scoring funk right now. But believe me, he's a guy that you can count on for 20 goals uh, on a regular basis going forward. Christian Fisher, another guy who's considered a young gun here. His minutes have risen steadily over the past few weeks, as we've highlighted. He's responded with four points in his last six games while playing about 16 minutes a game. So you've got to look for the rising minutes and, and the shot rate and, and the productivity that comes with it when you're looking at possible ads. And these are two guys that uh, they're going to count on for the foreseeable future in Arizona, I think. Well, speaking of young talent that uh, could be available soon, Jakob Chisharin is uh, nearing a return. Now, he's going to travel with the team all this week, uh, practice with them, won't get into any games yet. They're going to reevaluate him next week. Uh, but he should take on a pretty significant role, in my opinion, once he's given the all clear. You know, you look at last season as a rookie, played in 68 games, averaged uh, just over 16 and a half minutes per game, got a little bit of power play time in there as well. Uh, and I expect him to take on uh, a big role once he's healthy and ready to go. And so because he hasn't played at all this year, he might be available in some of your leagues. Uh, you may not want to pick him up right now, um, but 
keep an eye on him. He should be available soon. And then Scott Wedgwood uh, could be in line for a bigger role as Antti Ranta continues to struggle with injuries. And when he is healthy, can't seem to get it right in the crease either. Uh, not that Wedgwood has significantly perfor- outperformed him, uh, but he looks to be like the one who's going to get a little more ice time moving forward, at least until Ranta can get healthy. AJ, I wonder if we're going to get into a debate over what's happening in the goalie situation in Boston, but we highlighted Anton Kudobin, and he was the second most added player overall, including the skaters, with his ownership rising by 15% last week. In the face of all the injuries uh, to other players, I'm more interested in talking about what's happening up front, but I'm interested in your slant on the goalie situation here because Tuka Rask is the number one guy, and I don't, I, I know he's been out outplaying Rask so far this year but the presumptive number one guy is going to continue to get the lion's share of the load here I do believe Uh, if we're looking around elsewhere on this offense uh, Jake DeBrusque is one top prospect who's responded to an expanded role collecting two goals and three assists in his last four games and Mark Grzelik is a third very inexperienced D-man to play this season on the blue line this smallish blue liner has surprised with two assists in uh, his first four games played so there's a lot of flux in in this roster but I'm, I'm really curious to get your slant on the goalie situation first well look I mean if you're a head coach in in the NHL it is about win now what have you done for me lately and the quickest way to find yourself on the outs in, in my opinion is to stick with a goaltender who hasn't been performing quite up to the level that he's certainly capable of. I mean, you look at Rask, he's 3-8-2 with a 2.91 goals against average. They give him a, a little bit of rest after a three-game losing streak. Qdobin performs well. And then they go back to Rask uh, on uh, on November 26th, uh, to, uh, Sunday, and he loses again. So I, I can't blame them for sticking with uh, you know Qdobin. I think long-term... You're probably right. Eventually, they're going to get back to Rask. But as long as Qdobin keeps winning, I mean, there's no reason not to keep playing him. He hasn't lost in regulation yet. So that's uh, seven wins, two overtime losses. So he's bringing in points, whether it's the two for the win or even the one for the OT loss. There's no reason to switch uh, away from Kudobin at this point as long as he continues to win and the one opportunity they give Rask, he loses anyway. So uh, it's it's a tough call. I get that. I know Rask is the face of the franchise and has been for a long time, but you got to know when to fold him. And in this case, I think it's time to fold on Tuka Rask for a little bit and stick with the hot hand. Eventually, I imagine Kudobin will have a bad game or two. Uh, it happens to everybody, and then you look to go back to Rask at that point. So we'll wonder if his if uh, Rask becomes the number one starter and goes on a run again. We'll watch for the ownership on Kudobin and see if it spikes in the other direction at some point, AJ, I guess, is the call. Uh, over in Buffalo, Sabres get a big boost with the return of uh, Rasmus Ristolainen, and it's a reminder, folks, to keep an eye on the rosters uh, as they get updated by us every every day. AJ and I are two of the guys that get involved in that program at Rotowire, and I think we're right on top of things, and we were uh, listing uh, Ristolainen as healthy, and he got two points in his first game back, so it behooves you to check back with us on those lineups on a daily basis. That productive game reminds, uh, reminds us all to do so, so please uh, don't forget to do that. Sam Reinhart is enjoying life on the top line here while counting two goals in his last four games. This is a guy who's big on talent and gets my buy recommendation right now while playing with Jack Eichel and Evander Kane. You got to look for the guys that fill in when they there's a dynamic duo looking for that third partner, and Sam Reinhardt is a pretty talented option, gets slotted in there right now, AJ. 
Well, one guy I wouldn't recommend selling quite yet is going to be Bennett Pouliot. Uh, yes, he's got zero points in his last six games, but you look at his opportunities, and this is what we talked about before. They don't directly translate, but a guy can't score if he's not on the ice. So at least in the case of Pouliot, 16 and a half minutes of ice time. That includes a minute and a half on the power play. Seven shots on goal. You'd like to see that number a little bit higher. But right now, he's still getting that top six assignment. Uh, and so I, I expect this uh, drought to end very soon. Uh, and I anticipate, you know, maybe not tonight. Uh, they're going up against Tampa. Probably not the best night to, to buy or to go all in on him. But eventually, I think he's going to shape this off. So if you have him, I wouldn't sell him quite yet. Uh, speaking of the blue line, as you mentioned, Paul, Rista Lanen's back. Sounds like Pogosian uh, could be back soon. Now, he's a game-time decision tonight. You'll want to keep an eye on that if you're thinking about using him. If he doesn't go tonight, I would imagine he's available for their next game. Uh, he seems like he's very close. And they're finally getting healthy uh, on defense there in Buffalo. Yeah, and one team that's pretty healthy overall is the next one we're going to talk about. That's the Calgary Flames. But I want to begin with uh, what a very wise man said a few weeks ago, AJ, touting Mike Smith as a very underrated goalie who's going to thrive in his Calgary debut. It was me, pal. Uh, Mike Smith has a 264 goals against average and a 922 save percentage. Other Calgary goalies have combined with a f- for a 420 goals against average just to show you and highlight how good Mike Smith's been over here. Partner, I'm asking you to take the wrinkles out of that dollar bill that's that's uh, getting all cottony in your pocket and get get ready to send it to me. That loony dollar bet is squarely set in my column on this particular subject. On the downside, the Flames management and fantasy owners have a bit of a disappointment. Have to be disappointment by seeing the offensive side of this club continue to reflect the trough that uh, they've found uh, this year, surrounded by uh, rumored desire to lead the Islanders. I'm talking about uh, uh, the defenseman Hamannick there. This guy has been a bit, bit of a disappointment, AJ, in my opinion. Uh, there was a lot of talk about how he's going to be a nice fit here on the top four, but really hasn't delivered the goods here. And uh, I wonder if people are souring on him. They cost uh, him, them a lot of angst and, and a lot of uh, pro- uh, prospect opportunity in looking elsewhere. Well, Paul, don't uh, count your chickens before they hatch here. Uh, if you look at his last two games, uh, an overtime loss in which he gave up just one goal, not a bad outing, but then comes back on the road against Dallas, gives up five. Now, to be fair, he faced 40 shots in that game, uh, so that's certainly not all on him. Uh, and so it's not all coming up roses quite yet on Mike Smith. I'm not ready to pay out on that deal. Now, oh, come on. <laughs> now, to be fair, to be fair, I don't expect them to, you know, go with somebody else as the starter there. I mean, this this club is all in on Smith. Uh, you know, they've got uh, the youngster David Rich as a backup uh, when they sent Eddie Locke down. So clearly uh, they're not convinced on Locke and it just confirms uh, that they're all in on Mike Smith. Now, that's not a decision I would make or want my club to make, uh, but uh, he has done okay throughout the season, but I'm not yet ready to pay up. There's a couple of those five-goal outings that still uh, sound uh, alarms in my head. 
All right, I'll have to hold out, hope that he continues to just be a goal and a half better than anybody else there. Uh, it's not enough for you, it's enough for me. Uh, Carolina Toivo Teravainen ownership is among the league leaders for the second week in a row. It rose again by 13% last week. Fantasy owners finally saw some offense from Justin Falk, too, as he collected four of his seven points to date in his last four games. So that offensive juggernaut may be ready to take off on the blue line. Carolina will be an even tougher out, though, with uh, Victor Rask returning to lineup last week and collecting two points. While he struggled earlier on, Derek Ryan picked up his game. So now they have three pretty good men playing at center, and that's always where you want to begin to build your team. So Carolina is well on their way with a fine trio down the middle of the ice here. Well, and they're set on the wing as well. Uh, Sebastian Ajo has been on fire of late. He's got five goals, five assists in the last seven games. Uh, five of those points came on the power play. Uh, his shooting percentage in those games is actually up, up around 30%, which is really high. I don't know if that's him not shooting the puck enough, in, in my opinion, or if him just capitalizing on, on those opportunities. Uh, I, you know, it's 17 shots on goal in seven games. I would maybe like to see that a little higher. That's less than three a game. So I'm going to hedge towards he's just not shooting enough. But when he does, at least it's finding the back of the net. So hard to complain about that. You look at a guy like Brock McGinn, on the other hand, uh, he has just two points in his last uh, last seven games. And this is something we've talked about with this club in the past. They'll have one area of the team working well and another area seems to drop off. And so if they can get both Ajo and McGinn, that gives them two really solid top, uh, top two lines combined with, as Paul highlighted the uh, middle of the lineup and, and everything working well there. We highlighted in Chicago the uh, fact that they were going to give Cody Franzen a look, and uh, very recently Coach Q gave him a public vote of confidence. This guy's an offensive-minded defenseman, AJ. I've seen his act in Toronto. He did quite well on the scoring side of things. It was the defensive side of the puck where he took some hits uh, and was maligned. But he collected three assists while paired with Duncan Keith over the last four games. That's a pretty nice place for him to land. And I also like the opportunity that Nick Schmaltz has on the second line with Anisimov and Kane, who've played, played together for a couple of years now. Schmaltz, for his part, has six assists in his last five games, and his shots on goal rate has increased dramatically in this mix. So uh, this is a guy that you might want to target if he's available in your leagues. I think it would be a smart pickup. Yeah, one guy to target as well. Uh, might not be available, but he might be sitting on your bench, uh, and hopefully not after last night, as Alex DeBrincat got yeah. the hat trick last night. You know, he had a little bit of a slump, so some of our listeners may have uh, relegated him to a bench role rather than a start, a starter night to night. Hopefully that's not the case. If he is available in your league, he certainly shouldn't be, especially in a, in a you know keeper league, uh, given the young talent. Patrick Sharp, another guy who is going through a pretty significant slump, uh, picked up two points last night, ending a 16-game uh, pointless streak. So he's at least back on the score sheet. What that means long term, I, I'm still not ready to commit and say that he's shaking all the cobwebs off. Uh, another guy trying to shake some cobwebs off as well is Brent Seabrook. He got an assist last night. Still no goals this year. Just the, uh, the five helpers outside of that opening night performance in which he put up uh, three points, uh, but otherwise just five in the last 20-plus games. So uh, he's not exactly performing up to snuff either. So hopefully both those guys, it's a sign of uh, moving in the right direction. 
And in Columbus, they were moving in the right direction as one of the league's hottest clubs before they stumbled a little bit in Montreal, losing 3-1 to one last night. But they faced a pretty hot goalie there who's made a pretty nice return. Uh, I, I think in, uh, in Montreal, they, they are looking forward to big things from Price, but you, got, you can't discount what Bobrovsky's done in Columbus. And this guy is uh, really uh, making a case again for being a strong Vezina candidate. Up front, Oliver Bjorkstrand is their leading scorer, a second leading scorer, but only produced four assists in his last eight games and been relegated to a third-line role. Uh, what the, this winning streak has continued to mask, and even last night they showed was a lack of offense. In an effort to bump that up, Sonny Milano is a highly regarded rookie who has nine points over 20 games but he's seen his ice time double over to 15 minutes in his last two games so that's a player to watch in my opinion over in Columbus yeah one player that that I'm watching to maybe find out what's going on with his game is Zach Wierenski uh he's pointless in the last four and just not uh you know fitting the bill including you know last night he played six minutes on the power play 23 minutes total. That's a ton of ice time. And it's a guy that only got three shots on goal. Uh, it's obviously not enough. He's not really capitalizing on those opportunities, uh, that he has being out on the ice so much. I mean, with, with that much time on the power play, you have to imagine that there's going to be some, some more shots on goal, uh, maybe throw out a hit here and there. He didn't record a hit last night, just one block shot. So his stat line, if you used him, you know, in season long or daily last night, is going to be pretty disappointing. Uh, hopefully he can find a way to turn it on, uh, here at some point. And to your point, Paul, I think Bobrovsky really is hiding uh, some significant flaws on this team just using his outright ability i mean you look at last night uh, a tw- 25 save only two goal allowed performance you would think would be good enough for a win uh, but unfortunately you know montreal uh, or his offense really let him down against montreal and in Colorado, I, you know what? I like Eric Johnson. I make no bones about that. I talk about this guy every year as a guy who should be considered among your scoring defensemen when you're drafting. He picked up two goals and assists last week on pace for his best season in a while, actually, with those totals adding to the mix. Up front, Colin Wilson, who came over from Nashville, joined the Avs this season, has been promoted to a second-line role, and recently increased his shots on goal rate, producing three of his five points on the year in his last seven games. It's not much, but it's a telltale sign that he gets that second-line opportunity. He had that for a long time in Nashville and was a pretty consistent producer as well. I'll also, I'd also like to highlight JT Comfer, who's profiling similarly with a more prolific shots on goal rate himself and increased lifetime and two goals in his last five games. So there's a few players to watch over in Colorado where they've written a surprising story year to date. Well, Paul, your call on Colin Wilson is absolutely correct, and it's going to get a boost by the fact that Gabriel Landeskog is going to be watching from the press box for the next four games after uh, a blatant cross-check uh, to the you know, back of the head uh, in that game. Uh, so his four game suspension is certainly warranted. Uh, and Colin Wilson's going to be the guy that they asked to step in, in that role. Uh, you know, Matthew Nito could get a little, uh, some more ice time. Gabriel Bork will be in the lineup. Uh, and hopefully for them, they'll get Varlamov back, uh, as he continue, you know, he's missed the last four games due to illness. Uh, but it sounds like he might be back on Wednesday. It's uh, still a little bit iffy. You'll want to keep an eye on that. And it's not that Jonathan Bernier has done uh, outright poorly. He's got 
you know, two wins, a loss, and an overtime loss in relief. Uh, but you just always want that starter uh, in between the pipes for you. AJ, over in Dallas last week, we, report, we reported on the floundering start of one Jason Spezza, but he finally notched his third goal of the season, has been moved back into a top six role last week with a shot on goal rate better than two per game. I think the goals are going to come for this guy. He's just got too much talent and skill and a better track record than he's shown year to date. So for those of you who are looking for some offensive buzz, this guy can certainly deliver it, and he's really underperformed this year to date and I think he's got what it takes to bounce back from that. Devin Shore is uh, the lucky guy who gets the the assignment with Sagan and Spezza. They've had a bit of a revolving door over there on the wing. He's produced four points in his last four games with a shots on goal rate that's similar to Spezza right now. So I recommend that this is a solid pickup in in Devin Shore as long as he holds on to this role for sure. I mean, heck, AJ, uh, I'd recommend you or me if we were in that lineup spot too in (laughs) Dallas. It's just too inviting and too great an opportunity to pass up. So get on Devin Shore if you can. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, to your point, Paul, I I do think that's going to change up periodically. Um, I actually wouldn't have uh, uh, disliked seeing Spezza in that spot, uh, moving over to the other wing. Uh, Just, you know, while he was in that slump, I think that might have been a good way to kind of get him going. Now that he is, you obviously don't want to put all your eggs in one basket and have all your scores uh, on just the top line. So I think paired with Sagan is going to be a good spot for him. Uh, They're starting to get healthy as well on the forward uh, position. Martin Hansel's back. They're still waiting on Mark Mathot. Uh, Steven Johns is dealing with an injury, but he's not expected to miss any time. Uh, So it's moving in the right direction for this club as well. In Detroit, uh, I've touted Justin Ablocator as the next generation of Johan Franz, and his ownership uh, shares rose by 10% last week. He now has eight points in his last six outings, AJ, with more time on the power play as well in that span. But it's the Wings goaltending the situation. That's another great discussion point for me, uh, AJ. They they have over $5 million tied up in Jimmy Howard this year and next. He's playing very well. We've noted that all year long, appearing in three times as many starts as Mrazek, who's scheduled to be an RFA at the end of the season after playing out the last year of his 4.4.0 million dollar cap hit and in the minors they have one Jared Carroll he got a look last year as we all recall and in the minors this year he's playing to uh 280 goals against average at a league minimum price of $625,000 he's also going to be an RFA so I think the wings will look to sign Carroll over Mrazek, I think, uh, long-term. And I thought it'll save him a little bit of cap space, but certainly the performance of Jimmy Howard is is a, a great story for them because now they're getting some bang for that those big bucks, too. Well, and the, the concern there is, you know, for me, I thought they'd get rid of Mrazek this season with that big price tag. Yeah. Uh, they needed to free up some room for uh, Athanasio. Uh, just to get him signed. Now they figured it out anyway. So uh, yeah, I definitely think getting rid of Mrazek is uh, a key to to their cap uh, moving forward. You talk about Jimmy Howard. Uh, he has been a little bit down of late. Uh, three overtime losses in his last four games. Now he's still getting his team the point, so it's hard to blame him for that. One of those overtime losses was actually in relief of Peter Mrazek, who's dealing with uh, uh, an injury right now. And so th- it'll be all Jimmy Howard, especially with Mrazek Hurt. I do think Corio is the long-term solution. That's a great call by you, Paul, uh, for this organization moving forward. Martin Furk is a player that we talked about a lot uh, early on. He was off to a really hot start. He's missed six in a row. Sounds like he's uh, 
going to aim to suit up on Thursday. Uh, it's not confirmed yet. Could still change, but that's going to be his uh, his goal at least trevor daly is in kind of the same boat could return uh thursday as well although daly has done so little uh in fantasy this season there's probably not too many people overly concerned about when he's going to be back in the lineup yeah we're, we're looking at edmonton oilers next aj this team struggles continue and so do their roster shuffling uh the big beneficiary of the latest moves could be mike camilleri who joins mcdavid and lucic on the top unit there in looking at the rest of the new lines it seems clear that coach mcclellan is striving for more balance in this mix i suggest we keep an eye on anton slepeshev too he's in a second line right wing role he'll get a look, good look there alongside ryan nugent hopkins who's elevated his game such that now they've even dropped leon Drysaddle over to a third line at center and uh, on the right wing there on this unit they've already cycled through Pujarvi, Strom and Cassian in this second line role right now Slepeshev is getting a shot there so uh, you got to take a look at who's playing on the top six here with these talented centers that they can offer in the first two lines obviously McDavid on the number one unit as well but overall AJ they rank as my most disappointing team a year to date too absolutely there's there's no question about that uh for slepeshev you know he's just got one game under his belt after being out for eight uh due to a lower body injury uh so they'll ease him back in uh there's no no you know quick rush rush on that uh his minutes will probably be around 14 15 but long term i would expect that to hike up a little bit as long as he stays uh, in that top six role uh, to your point it is going to be a revolving door around uh, this team just because there's no clear answers on on why they're struggling so much um, i look i like todd mcclellan um, but this might be a guy who's feeling a lot of heat right now uh, we've seen this with other elite stars in the past you got to find a way to mo- motivate these guys and as long as you have Connor McDavid on this team you're going to expect a significantly better performance than what they're getting out of them I mean, I mean nine wins on the year that's just not enough and so Todd McClellan could be the sacrificial lamb I certainly don't think it's uh, all his fault you know McDavid uh, has still done okay but I think by even Connor McDavid's standards it's a little down from the 100 point 82 game last year 30 points in 24 uh, it's certainly not terrible but Camp Talbot just isn't clicking uh, so unfortunately it might be a change just for the sake of shaking things up in Florida, injuries and call-ups give this team a different look at the forward ranks. Henrik Hapala got a call-up last week and is playing a third role, third line role. He collected his point in his first game played. I don't expect this guy to stick, but uh, we'll keep an eye on him as long as he gets a chance. Now that we've highlighted that teams are going three deep in offensive units, uh, he might be worth a bit of a look. But in the meantime, Dennis Malgin may also get more of an opportunity as the first line right wing working with Barkov and Huberdeau uh, it's in line with the theme almost of this show you got to watch who's playing with the big pairs and right now Malgin's getting that shot four goals against Knight ended a very nice run of six games for Roberto Luongo in goal where he gave up a total of only 10 goals he's pulled way ahead of James Reimer in the goalie pairing and uh, they're on the second of back-to-back so maybe Reimer has a shot tonight to kind of get and edge his way back into the mix but it's been all Luongo for a while now just as we called and if you uh, were on that run you enjoyed it uh, as much as we thought you might 
Yeah, to, to your point about Malgin, uh, that's going to be uh, the result of Evgeny Dadunov uh, picking up a, uh, a shoulder injury that's going to keep him out four to six weeks. Uh, I don't think Malgin's going to be the long-term guy there. I think you'll see Connor Brickley up there. They might shuffle things around where Nick Bugsad even gets a look on the, the top line there. Uh, and so all I think all of their wingers really are in play uh, for that role at some point here just because they are trying to fill the hole left by Dadunov. And, Paul, uh, great call on your point. Uh, Luongo heads and tails above uh, you know Reimer at this point. Now, Reimer is... Uh, confirmed to be the starter tonight as they head into the second half of the back-to-back. Probably a discounted option for you uh, in, in terms of daily. Uh, probably won't cost you too much. I'm not sure I'd pick him going up against the Rangers. Uh, that's a team that seems to find a way to win, uh, but it's uh, it's always an option for you, especially when he's confirmed like that. Um, next up, the Los Angeles Kings, and uh, Jake Muzzin is back with longtime partner Drew Doughty in the defensive mix, and that seems to always spark his offensive totals. He's also on pace to top 100 hits and blocks again, one of the very few D-men in the league who's, who's got those numbers next to his game on an annual basis. I think he's done it three years in a row now, and now that I'm in one of those leagues that features these uh, stats, I, uh, I look for players like that. The list is not very long, so kudos to Muzzin for pulling that off and looking like a cinch to do it again this year. Iafalo must be on thin ice on the left side on the top line as his time is starting to drop after an extended stint as the top left winger. His saving grace is that this team is in a very very uh, broad uh, scoring slump with only seven tallies in their last four games played. We've seen this before from this lineup, and they're still without Jeff Carter for several more weeks. Uh, they were uh, surviving quite nicely, but now that old bugaboo of a scoring problem that's team-wide, we've seen it before here, and it's happening again. Well, one uh, contributing factor potentially to Iafalo's uh, pending, seemingly pending drop in ice time is the return of Marion Gabrick. <laughs> Uh, he missed the first 22 games of the year. It looked like they were probably going to ease him back into the lineup. They played him just under 14 minutes in his first game back uh, on the front half of a back-to-back. He picked up an assist, but then in the second game, they gave him a full 20 minutes, which is pretty high for, for a winger, especially on the second game of a back-to-back that included five minutes on the power play. So they clearly have no hesitation about using Gabrick. Uh, and so he could be in line for an increased role as they move forward. Uh, Andy Andrioff is out as well. Uh, He's dealing with uh, an undisclosed injury that they're calling rest in recovery mode. Not really sure what that means. Um, (laughs) So it's, it's kind of really vague. Kyle Clifford is trending in the right direction. Uh, He's going to travel with the team on their upcoming road trip. And so uh, they're getting some guys back that potentially are going to cut into the ice time of some of these guys that we highlighted earlier in the season uh, that were taking on expanded roles. And you know how I highlighted, AJ, three forward lines now uh, trying to stretch out the offense. There's no more glaring example of this effort than in Minnesota, where Daniel Winnick, of all people, is finding himself on the top line. This guy's a great checker, folks, but and did pick up a power play assist in his last game. That won't last, though, as they've got other left-wingers like Zucker and Ennis who need to play more minutes and need to be up higher in this roster, and they'll soon grab back more of that playing time. Uh, on defense, with 15 points in 23 games played, Jared Spurgeon is on pace for career highs and is a very safe pickup if he's available in your season-long leagues. We touted him as a guy who would be high up in the uh, options on the blue line in terms of scoring here, and he certainly lived up to that billing. 
Yeah, Paul, I honestly thought there was like a mistake. I was trying to correct uh, what we have on the Rotowire um, depth chart there, seeing Winnick on that top pairing, but it is uh, not or uh, top line. It is not a mistake. As you said, they're trying all kinds of different combinations to shuffle things around. I'm not a fan of it. I, I generally like uh, stability in my lines. I like guys to get to know each other, get to play uh, more consistently together. Uh, one player that uh, you might have utilized, uh, but it didn't work out for you, is Alex Stalock. He was going up against the Jets, had been pretty dominant against them in the past. Three one and zero record in his limited appearances. Well, he got shelled for seven <laughs> goals uh, on just twenty eight shots. So uh, I think that highlights. Uh, he hasn't had a bad start to the year, but I think it highlights that they're going to primarily use Devin Dubnik pretty heavily. Uh, you know, they've had some back to backs. And so Stalux actually played two of their last three, uh, one in the back-to-back, and then again trying to capitalize on his previous performance against the Jets. That hasn't wor- that obviously didn't work out. Dubnik will get the, uh, the bulk of the minutes moving forward. Uh, that's uh, a lock on that one. Well, and the Montreal Canadiens, the big news there is the return of Carey Price, obviously. He's looked very, very sharp, uh, returning looking like the proverbial white knight after turning aside 36 shots on Saturday against Buffalo for a shutout. He follows that up with a nice effort against Columbus last night to outduel Sergei Bobrovsky. So it's safe to say that interim starter Charlie Lindgren's fantasy ownership will drop precipitously. It went down by a league-high 15% last, last week, and as long as Price is healthy, you may not see this kid again this season. That doesn't hide the fact that they've been outscored by a goal per game on the whole year, and uh, that means that Harry Price is going to need to continue to be heroic until they get their offensive woes sorted out. They've also been without Shea Weber for the past four games with a lower body injury, and uh, that also accounts for the heavy doses of shots uh, against. He's still listed as day-to-day, and uh, Dave Slemko is one guy that's going to make his return too. So if they get these two guys back, they've got a healthy carry price. They've got a big schedule of home games coming up. They're entering a real key part of their season, AJ. And it's how they come out of that, I think, that'll tell the tale whether the Canadians will be a pretender or an also-ran. But off the first two games and carry Price's return, I feel pretty good for Montreal fans right now. Well, hopefully they will be able to utilize Carey Price on both ends of any back-to-backs they have coming up because they did send Lindgren down and are going to use Antti Niemi as a backup there. Uh, I think that's a poor choice, but uh, I'll try not to ride him too hard this week. Uh, Al Montoya is still out uh, with a concussion. I would imagine the, as soon as Montoya's back, Niemi will once again find himself on waivers. Uh, talking about guys that they're also missing, Arturi Lekkinen, Alice Hemsky. Now, these aren't guys that I think anybody really forecasted to have huge roles with the team, but it really stretches uh, the depth to the point where, you know, uh, Jacob De, Ro- uh, De La Rosa has been taking on a bigger role. Byron Frost, Nicholas Dolores. Uh, it's, it's guys that probably weren't going to be in the lineup on a regular basis that are being forced into action. And so I think that's part of their scoring was, is that guys that at least provided, you know, some, some depth scoring are out. And then they're really relying on, on some guys that, uh, you know, otherwise would probably be playing either down in the minors or watching from the press box on a night to night basis. In Nashville, we covered the Matthias Ekholm story quite nicely, I thought, in the last couple of weeks. His rise in prominence last week and his ownership emerging from larger shadows this year 
This guy should be snapped up in every season-long format by now. After a sluggish start, uh, we also highlighted the woes of one Ryan Johansson, but he's all of a sudden got nine points in his last six games, so the ship is getting righted here. And you spoke of Bonino landing in the third center spot. He can't be too thrilled about that because he tried to escape it in Pittsburgh, but he's locked in behind Johansson and Torres. That's unprecedented depth down the middle in Music City to go along with a deep defense and, of course, one of the best goalies in hockey. So this is a very strong team that's looking really, really good right now. Yeah, and they're starting to get you know get things right uh heading into you know kind of the this big mid chunk of the season uh some you know there may be some people out there that were questioning uh when uc saros got sent down especially if you're in like a dynasty league and we're hoping to kind of stash him long term uh, i think that's just temporary just getting him some ice time uh i th- i expect him to be the eventual replacement for Peke Rene. I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon, but obviously they need him to play uh, occasionally. Now, when <laughs> that when that replacement happens is not going to be anytime soon. You look at how good Rene has been this year. Uh, definitely should reach that 30 win mark this season. Might even challenge for 40. Uh, and so he's off to a, a great start. And so Saros is going to be used so sparingly uh, with the Predators that I would expect the occasional move down to Milwaukee just to get him some uh, some games and some time in the crease. Now, in New Jersey, AJ, if you're in a salary cap league like one of my season-long deals that I just joined for the first time this year, I really hope you listened to the last time I brought up Brian Gibbons' name. His salary hit is only $650,000, and he's now up to 11 goals, scored in a plus 13, leading the team in both those categories. It's a surprising devil's club, but this guy might be the biggest surprise of all, averaging over 15 minutes of playing time per game. One of the feel-good stories around the NHL is Brian Boyle's role in uh, as a rallying point for this club. He's always been a great face-off guy, but that skill is even more vital with the increased emphasis on holding onto the puck in a possession game that dominates the NHL right now. This guy's also chipping in offensively with two goals and one helper last week, so I really feel good about uh, him and his situation, AJ. Great story. Yeah, and another uh, good uh, news item for the Devils is Marcus Johansson has been medically cleared to play. Uh, he did sit out Monday. Uh, they're going to you know, kind of determine when he seems up to game speed, get him some practice time, but he's at least medically cleared. And so that should be a boost to what's already been perhaps the most surprising offense in the league this season. Uh, this is a team that I don't really think anybody uh, – myself especially included at paul i don't know that you had them high up either but they're currently leading the metropolitan division which i don't think anybody really anticipated uh, out the gates i expect eventually teams like washington pittsburgh and and the rangers will catch them uh but it's good a good sign for their long-term uh hopes in in new jersey that this club is going to turn it around and finally get back to being uh how dominant they were in the the 90s well and a team that's looking forward to getting back to the glory days of the 80s is the new york islanders aj this team has won six of their last seven and seven out of their last 10 scoring his way up here too i highlighted nick letty as a top scoring demon option earlier in the season he's finally living up to that billing and he has 10 points in his last seven games to lead all defensemen. Uh, hard shooting Johnny Boychuk has three goals and an assist in the last three weeks as well. They've paired these guys up again, and it seems this team gets the best performance out of this club when these guys are playing together. So they should stick with this uh, long term, I hope. 
Uh, but and uh, up front, it's not a one-line offense anymore. As Matthew Barzal anchor, anchors a strong second line with Ladd and Eberly there. I can't even remember, AJ, the last time a, uh, a John Tavares wasn't their leading point getter. His winger, Josh Bailey, has that distinction with 28 points in 23 games. So it's a lot of good offensive here, offense here that's carrying the day for the New York Islanders. When you look even down on the third line, they brought in Josh Hosang, uh, brought him back rather as emergent as an emergency recall, but switched that to a regular recall after he uh, has put in four points in their last six games. Uh, and so that's the kind of depth uh, scoring that you love to see. Uh, that center position has switched up a little bit. Casey Sezikis is dealing with an injury. Elaine Quinn is currently going to be the one filling that spot. Uh, his production hasn't been great, but if you can get a guy like Hosang uh, contributing, it doesn't really matter who the center is as long as he, he seems to have some sort of chemistry with them, which so far he does. So uh, a third line contributing as well is is definitely powering this team forward. It uh, looks like uh, you'll get Thomas Grice uh, potentially tonight. But, uh, you know, with his win streak, I have to imagine they're going to keep rolling him, uh, you know, five wins in a row, uh, no regulation losses in his last seven games. Uh, so I imagine they'll keep rolling him tonight. And uh, with the New York Rangers, look, we expressed some concern about Henrik Lundqvist early on, a slow start. Uh, you can shelve that, folks. He has allowed only 13 goals in his last seven games, including his last four appearances that were all wins. Uh, when you see up front, too, that Zuccarello is listed on the third line, yet also see that he has five points in four games, this is another team that's looking for that three-line depth. So goalie situation straightening out. The offense is pretty uh, deep, and, and uh, this team is looking for all the world like uh, log preseason prognosticators. It is going to be one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference, I do believe. Zibanejad leads this team with 11 goals and 11 assists up front, and I'm starting to hear whispers that the per- there's a perception around the league that uh, they like to upgrade uh, down the middle it's more a criticism here aj of the quality behind uh, zibanejad at the center position uh, with the passage of u.s thanksgiving you can bet teams are ramping up efforts to talk trade and identify needs we'll do more of that in the coming weeks but right now the rangers center ice position certainly looks like a, an area where they need to do some upgrading well in one place that they thought they upgraded was on the blue line with a guy like kevin chattenkirk uh, had a decent start to the season, but has cooled off of late. He's got just one assist in his last six games, still seeing huge minutes over 20 per game. And that includes uh, some power play time, but he's starting to cool off much like he did in his time, you know, with Washington. Uh, and you look at the rest of his blue line, there's not really uh, any significant scores. Uh, Holden Kempfer, both aren't going to contribute. Uh, Brady Skay. He's got a couple assists in the most recent games, but he's goalless uh, for the last 12. So they're just not getting a lot of scoring from that blue line. And I think long-term success-wise, especially when you hit the postseason, uh, they're going to need guys uh, back there to find a way to contribute offensively. Uh, the Ottawa Senators are a team in flux, too. Ever since we reported on the Matt Duchesne trade, this team is only 2-5-1, and one, AJ. I also felt that the injury to Borowicki was going to be a key loss. It took away most of this team's backbone, backbone and toughness, if you ask me. They've been easy prey of late for all comers. Uh, at least Duchesne can say that he finally scored his first goal as a Sen in, in his last game. 
in an effort to get him going, he's now paired with Mark Stone, who's enjoying a career year amid some of the other stumbles around here. He's got 23 points over 22 games played. I also like the fact that Tom Pyatt is getting a look now that he's on a career best pace for himself, a 40-point pace that would be, to round out this unit. Zach Smith, who's had a couple of recent sins on the sideline due to injury, is back and playing with frontliners Broussard and Ryan as well in a top six role. And he has every chance to show that he's a capable scorer. He's done that in the past, AJ, and he'll quietly get that shot again uh, going forward what i don't get about this club is their persistence on using seven defensemen on a regular basis i your defensemen play defense for a reason they're specifically not forwards (laughs) Uh, if 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 they could play forward they would be forwards that's just how it works uh and i thought with injuries to guys like weidman and borowicki as you said that they would stop doing this they'd you know move the defensemen that they have back to the blue line and use some of their, I think they've got some decent young talent. Now, maybe, maybe that's not a set sentiment that they agree upon in the Ottawa organization, but they need to, in my opinion, get back to letting your defensemen play defense and your forwards play forward and not try and do this hybrid. You know, I don't know if they're just rotate. I, I admittedly haven't watched enough of their games. I'm not sure if they're just rotating centers through, uh, and you know, playing less guys, and I'm not sure what the salute or what they're doing here. I think it's a bad call to suit up seven defensemen. Uh, it's why the rest of the league has and has always done 12 forwards, six defensemen. And I think that's uh, a key to part of the problem in Ottawa. Yeah, it's to your point, I'm just looking at their roster, AJ. They don't have a whole slew of injuries here to report either. Clark MacArthur up front is the only guy that's down. Defense is where they're a little thin, and yet they've been putting the seven guys up. But I noticed that we've rejigged our, our roster outlook here, and it looks like they have got it straightened out here. Dumont, Thompson and Ben Harper rounding out the fourth line there so it's more of a uh, traditional look that we'll see going forward but they certainly played the way you've outlined in the past few weeks and uh, look at the results they haven't been good so they got to be listening to us right Uh, maybe even in real time to make this change AJ (laughs) Uh, in Philadelphia the happiest guy in Pennsylvania might well be Sean Couturier prior to this season he'd never tallied 40 points in any of his first six years in the league despite being a top draft pick yet since entering the top line with Giroux and Horacek from the start this season he's already got 25 points before last night's game in 23 games played so that's a pretty good start for him and he's going to smash through career highs as long as he stays there the Flyers' second line also has a new look since they called up Denek Martel an undrafted free agent who's been killing it with 19 points and 17 games played for their AHL affiliate in Lehigh Valley. I don't want to step on your toes here with an AHL <laughs> update, but it's pretty obvious that this guy's earned a look. He's only five foot nine, and he's certainly not your prototypical flyer, uh, AJ, but he lands on an interesting unit with top rookie draft Nolan Patrick and big power winger Wayne Simmons, who I like a lot. It's a good spot for this guy to get his feet wet in the NHL. Well, for everything you highlighted that's going well on the top two lines, the bottom two lines have really been, uh, as we've said before, not to reuse the same phrase, but a revolving door here. Uh, Dale Weiss in, Taylor Lear out, Jory Laterra in, Jordan Wheel out, uh, Philpula on the third line, on the fourth line. Things are really uh, in flux, and, and they're just still searching for the right combination of, of guys here. 
I'm a little surprised that uh, Travis Konechny hasn't uh, gotten more opportunities. He's one of the few guys in this role that that seems to be a little more stable. Now, that's not to say he's having some sort of huge breakout season. He's got just nine points through the first 24 games. But compared to the rest of the guys that they're shuffling around here, he's really the only one, uh, in my opinion, contributing with any sort of consistency uh, and, and, you know, a little bit of a yeah, pop in his step for lack of a better term. Uh, so I, I think that's really, uh, that depth issue is really what's holding this club back, uh, primarily from getting to the next level in Pittsburgh, the annual Evgeny Malkin injury absence come a little bit early, AJ, as the big center missed three games last week and a fourth last night at versus Philadelphia. The story is an upper body injury and the hope is for a possible return on Friday against Buffalo since they have a bit of a four day gap in their schedule. Look, I know he's a great scorer, but this annual injury absence has become way too predictable for me. In season long play, it's one key factor that I look for is durability over the long haul. Gino doesn't fit the bill for me anymore, AJ, and that's a Shots fired across the bow, I guess. Don't take it personally. It's just my <laughs> observation here. In his absence, Riley Sheehan has had more ice time and responded not quite nicely of late. Another feel-good story, I think, here after the struggles that he had last year, even trying to find a goal. He got five points in his last six games before last night, and uh, he'll be a good fit in a third-line role when Malkin returns, but could be a pleasant surprise if this run continues. In goal, though, you have to be a little jittery uh, with the knowledge that uh, Matt Murray hurt his leg last night in the game against Philadelphia. Do you have any information on, uh, on that particular circumstance, A.J.? I don't. Not the, uh, nothing additional than, than what's out there. Um, I think this, you know, these two injuries are going to highlight uh, some concerns for, you know, the Penguins. Um, they thought they answered uh, the, the backup goalie situation at the start of the year. Uh, that clearly didn't work out. I'm not sure that they want to go with Tristan Jari uh, long term as the you know, go-to guy, you know, on a, on a, every couple of nights basis, Jari will work out just fine, but as a potential replacement for, uh, what seems to maybe be a long-term absence. I mean, he was, uh, Murray was really not putting a lot of weight on that leg. Uh, and so that's definitely a concern. I think they're going to need to make a move here to maybe bring somebody in. Uh, I've highlighted Cam Ward for yeah. a long time as a player. Yeah. Uh, his history with uh, uh, Rutherford makes him a good potential fit here. As far as what they would potentially give up, you know, they've got a guy like Ian Cole who's having to watch uh, from the sidelines on a night-to-night basis just because they are actually healthy and, and deep on the blue line. You know that Justin Schultz, Latang, Mata, Dumlin are not coming out of the lineup. So you've got Cole competing with Chad Ruedel and Matt Hunwick. So maybe one of those guys uh, packaged up with, uh, you know, some prospects could be a way to lure uh, Cam Ward away. And the Malkin injury highlights an issue that they've that the team itself talked about all season long is a lack of center depth. Uh, they briefly moved Jake Gunsel over there. And while he did, you know, just fine in that role, he's really thrived as a winger. And I don't think it's a a move they want to make long term. And so now, as you said, they've got uh, Sheehan up on the second line and then Carter Rowney and Greg McKaig filling out that center role. And that really gets pretty thin. Uh, You know, they just don't have a replacement for Nick Bonino and Matt Cullen, who they lost last year. So when Malcolm went down last year for some time, they had some much, uh, much more solid centers to replace him. So uh, there's some concerns here. 
I think that need to be addressed prior to the trade deadline. Not sure what they're going to do about center, but I do think uh, potentially Cam Ward is a is a great fit here, uh, especially given that history with the GM. I think that's a great call, and I hope Brotherford's listening. That's a great bit, bit of advice, but I think Carolina's got them over a barrel, too, when you're talking trade there. Absolutely. Uh, this San Jose Sharks, they've got to be thrilled that Brett Burns finally scored his first goal of the season last week. In fact, he picked up three points in his last three games, snapping out of an ugly eight-game pointless streak as well. This guy is central to too much of this club's offense, AJ, and the Sharks have to hope that this is a tip of the iceberg in terms of his rebound. He's poured 88 shots on goal, and, and that's in line with the career pace that'll put him around 300 shots for the season, still anchoring much of the power play advantages. So you have to believe the points will come in bunches again. The new bigger concern is who will fill out the first line left wing role the next man up in this revolving door is Timo Meyer, an odd choice for me again like Winnick in, in his circumstance when I see a guy who's produced only one goal in 11 November games and only four points on the season I think it's a case of desperate times calling for desperate measures here yeah I definitely agree uh, I was actually looking at at Meyer last uh, last night uh, he's gotten a little bit more ice time in the last five outings uh almost two minutes more uh than his season average and to the point we've talked about earlier uh, ice time doesn't translate into points and that seems to be the case with meyer now the biggest concern of them all in san jose is the injury to martin jones it doesn't sound like it's going to be long term uh in fact i believe the word precautionary was thrown out there so they'll probably use Aaron Dell tonight, uh, and then Martin Jones will take back over. And I don't actually dislike uh, the decision. Uh, if you're putting together a daily roster, we'll talk about it a little bit more. But I would not begrudge you uh, using Aaron Dell tonight. Uh, and so a- assuming he does, in fact, start, that hasn't been confirmed yet. I don't want to get anybody locking their goalie in and saying, <laughs> hey, you said Aaron Dell was playing for sure. But it seems pretty likely they'll give Martin Jones a night off. Uh, Anton Bibao will serve as a backup tonight, I would expect, with Aaron Dell as the starter. And up next, we talk about the two hottest teams in the league. First, it's the St. Louis Blues. The rich get richer as the Blues welcome back Jay Bomeister last week. His return takes some of the defensive responsibilities away from Pareko and Pietrangelo, freeing those guys to handle more power play time or even more uh, high leverage, uh, even strength minutes. Up front, Samuel Blay was brought up to join the third line on right wing after earning his promotion with 13 goals in 11 games at San Antonio in the AHL. He scored a goal in his first NHL game since the recall as well. Earlier this season, we expressed some concern about Vladimir Sabatka. I did, anyway, filling out the top six AJ. He's holding on to that role and then some after producing three more points in his last five games with a shots on goal rate of two per game. That's something that was an issue earlier in the season, but now he's starting to find the range regularly and his points production has really translated very, very well. Yeah, I, I think what's going to help even more uh, kind of stabilize this team is the potential return of Patrick Berglund. Uh, he hasn't played at all this season as he deals with that shoulder injury, but they it looks like maybe a Wednesday return, if not just a few games after that, I would expect. But the 29-year-old put up 34 points, including t- over 20 goals in all 82 games last season. Uh, So his reintroduction into the lineup would really help them, especially down the middle. He was taking on a a third line role in uh, line rushes at practice. Uh, And so I expect him to slot in there. The guy anticipated coming out uh, for the, uh, those season long and, and daily listeners out there is Oscar Sunquist. The former penguin is not uh, really fitting 
in my opinion, uh, with uh, the new club. Has just one assist in his last uh, 13 games. Still has yet to find the back of the net in, uh, as a blue. And so he'll get bounced. And I would expect potentially uh, at some point here, he'll head down to the minors just in the hopes of trying to re-jumpstart uh, re his game. In Tampa, this club is still rolling along. They're the class of the Eastern Conference. It's very evident. They've, they have their biggest offseason question answered already with... Vasilevsky in goal, uh, 231 goals against a 930 save percentage, big numbers. To add perspective to that, his backup, Peter Budai, has a 375 goals against and an 867 save percentage. So Vasilevsky's really been a big difference maker in the, in the Nets, as they hoped he could. The biggest issue that they're facing uh, on the rest of the roster is Jake Dotchin's, Dotchin's injury, AJ, as they miss his toughness and defensive zone attributes. Up front, I like a quiet pickup that they made of Christy Domenico. He was a Leaf farmhand. He impressed me whenever he got, I got a chance to see him uh, with the Marlies. He's going on a conditioning stint with them after uh, coming over from Ottawa and will likely wind up in a third-line role here. If he gets a shot, I think he's worth a look uh, as a nice bottom six add-on. Uh, could get some power play time as well. Well, I'm not sure I would go quite, uh, you know, quite third or, or even second line role for him. I think Tyler Johnson, Braden Point are pretty firmly cemented there. So at best, I would call a, a fourth line role. Now, obviously, you know his game a little bit better, having seen him, uh, you know, firsthand. Uh, but I would expect at best a fourth line role. But even then, I'm not sure he could necessarily beat out Cedric Paquette, who's a the guy they really like. Now, Paquette's not an offensive force by any means, but he puts together a pretty good uh, fourth line uh, jump line, if you will, of Chris Kunins and Ryan Callahan. So uh, I'm not sure if Demi uh, D. Domenico can crack that. But, uh, you know, he's always got a chance once he gets back, uh, you know, with Tampa Bay. And now we get to talk about my Leafs. Uh, I, a bit, I was a bit concerned about the offseason signing of Patrick Marlowe, AJ. We talked about that in our uh, preseason outlook but, the outlook, but the early returns have been just fine. Thank you very much. Among his nine points and 16 goals, he has four game winners, actually, and has switched seamlessly from the wing to center as injury issues cropped up elsewhere on this roster. He's just continuing to do what he did throughout his time in San Jose, and I'm fine with that. Uh, this guy's going to be a future Hall of Famer, and he's just adding to the pedigree right now with what he's doing for the Leafs. I feel uh, for Josh Levo, on the other hand, and believe he's going to eventually get an extended opportunity to strut his stuff at some point. He made use of some limited opportunities so far this year to tally two points in six games on the year and has the right combo of size and speed to draw my attention. He had a beautiful goal last week on a nice solo rush. Uh, the Leafs also extended his contract by a year recently, so the club management likes what they see out of him as well. The only real concern I have about this club, uh, now I will just throw in, I thought you were nuts when you said you were concerned about Patrick Marlowe during our preseason uh, previews. <laughs> <laughs> he obviously, uh, his you know pedigree and experience, uh, I think was more than enough to, to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but on to you know, the team as they are now, my only real concern is uh, the number of shots Freddie right. Anderson is facing. That's right. Uh, you look at his last five games, Three of those outings have been 40-plus sh uh, uh, shots, uh, another 33. So only one was less than, uh, less than 30 shots faced. That's a pretty heavy workload for a guy that's playing almost every night. Uh, you know, there's a couple. I think he's sat out four games so far this year in favor of Curtis McElhinney just to give him some rest. 
And every one of those has been in a back-to-back situation. So if it's not a back-to-back, Freddie Anderson is your guy, which is great for fantasy owners. Uh, both the number of shots is certainly helpful uh, to rack up those stats. He's performed well in those opportunities. And so fantasy-wise, it, it looks great for Freddie Anderson. But I question the long-term uh, long-term uh, impact that this is facing this much rubber early in the season could have. With Vancouver, we talked of Brock Besser as the biggest story in his rookie season campaign, but I'm focused on his winger, his partner, Sven Berchi, continuing his career best season to date. Two more goals, two assists in his last five games, AJ. He's second on the team in scoring with 17 points in 24 games, yet he's only owned in 48% of fantasy leagues out there. I don't quite understand that. Uh, Thomas Vanek, uh, a guy who I've maligned a lot, he's piled up some uh, string of assists here. He's got seven assists in his last seven games and has moved up in the in the roster as well. That streak's allowed r- rookie coach Travis Green to feel good about experimenting with some roster shuffling of his own. The veteran winger, in fact, is now getting a look on a line with top center Bo Horvat and Sam Gagne. Yet another club, AJ, that's going through this three-line scoring uh, theme that we've uncovered this week. Yeah, and this is one club that seems to be doing it well. I mean, uh, when you can say that the Sedins and Louis Erickson is your third line, uh, I get they haven't been as good as they were in the past, but this is a line that in years past has been a number one unit. And so to be able to uh, move those guys into more of a third line role, which given their age, I think probably suits them a little bit less ice time, lets them be a little more explosive. uh, I think it's a actually a great decision by the coaching staff there uh one other good decision that this team has made and i'm going to eat a little bit of crow on this one is uh bringing in Derek pouillat i obviously thought it was a mistake based on his time in pittsburgh uh, but he's got a goal and three assists in his last seven games took him a little while to adjust to to what they're doing in vancouver uh different styles and, and such but he's in that stretch, averaging about 19 and a half minutes per game, uh, getting some shots on goal, seeing some power play ice time. Uh, do I expect him to be, you know, a 40 point uh, Victor Hedman, Eric Carlson? Certainly not. Um, but he seems to be so far a pretty serviceable, serviceable top pairing uh, that's adding uh, some production and starting to find his game a little bit. AJ, if you were eating crow with the Vancouver story, you're certainly dining out with the Vegas call that you made, the hottest take in our preseason shows. You called this team a playoff team. Uh, I didn't see it, but uh, here we are, and they're leading their division. Uh, after we highlighted him last week, Willie Carlson has emerged as the most added skater, in fact, with a jump of 33% in his ownership last week. He's got five straight multi-games and uh, going. Uh, that's uh, quite a streak, and that'll do. Uh, that'll account big time for this jump that he's made. He's been a power, power play uh, guy, too, point-per-game guy, too, for, uh, in 22 games on the regular season, only three points shy of his career high that he set in 81 games played. That speaks volumes about why this team has succeeded. In fact, uh, this guy's a signature uh, for a team that's made up of players who showed something in spurts last season while playing elsewhere, and they've built on that here thanks to the greater opportunity that's been provided. An injury, in fact, to David on is another opportunity that's given uh, other left wingers a chance to move up. I've been really impressed with Riley Smith, who's been playing well of late, and he's got eight points in his last seven games. Really worth a look now that he's getting an expanded role there, too. I think the other thing that's really helping this club, and it's evident in the fact that it doesn't seem to matter 
who's in goal. Uh, you know, Lagasse did did fine while he was there. Dansk was great before he got hurt. Malcolm Subban is back uh, in his first start. He gets the win uh, and only faced 20 sh- 26 shots. And I think that's really what the key is. This team is is rallying around the netminder, whoever it might be. I mean, you look at when Lagasse was uh, the starter only once did he face more than 30 shots on goal. And when you have a young, untested netminder like that, and even Malcolm Subban falls into that category as a relatively untested player, limiting the amount of shots is really going to make them that much better. And you can only imagine how good this team could potentially be with Marc-Andre Fleury back in the fold facing that uh, few shots per game, it might actually almost be to Fleury's detriment for a guy that's so used to seeing a high volume of shots. Uh, he might get a little bored back there, to be perfectly honest. And so uh, I think that is probably the key for this team is uh, the group as a whole, but especially the defense. There's not really any names that'll jump off the page at you and be like, oh, that's their big guy. They don't have you know, the Chris Letang, the Dustin Bufflin, um, but they've got some solid guys who are playing their role uh, exceedingly well, and that's why this team is doing as well as they are. Uh, we look at the Washington Capitals, AJ. It's another roster that's been significantly overhauled recently when we see guys like Tom Wilson playing on the top line next to Backstrom and Oshie. I'm sure people are scratching their heads, but they've at least fi- uh, finally reunited the pair of Backstrom and Oshie. Wilson seems to be determined to shed that fourth line image. He has four points in his last eight games. He's certainly a tough guy, too, uh, but showed me his offensive skills in last year's first round against the Leafs. Uh, he picked up three goals in that set, as I recall, and uh, he gave a, a preview of what he's showing right now that he can play in the top line role they're not expecting him to get 50 goals or anything like that but hanging around with a backstrom and ovechkin can certainly improve his totals to a career best uh, very quickly and very easily jacob Vrana, another washington player who caught my eye when they were in town to beat the leafs on last saturday he has breakaway speed and seems like a very nice fit with kuznetsov and Oshi on a very strong looking second scoring unit as well well, we told you last week that Vrana's demotion was temporary and Chandler Stevenson was eventually going to head back to a bottom six role. And that's where he is currently on the fourth line. No points in the last six games. Uh, and this was all about Vrana and not at all about Stevenson. Uh, now, as far as uh, some kind of unique situations going on, uh, they have Lars Eller apparently trapped in Toronto, uh, dealing with some sort of visa issues. Paul, it sounds like you should go find this guy, buy him a cup of coffee to, to make up for the fact that he's stuck there. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be resolved before their next game, uh, and that he'll be able to rejoin the team. Not really sure what's going on with that. A very odd situation, but something that fantasy owners want to monitor in case he's not available next time they play. Uh, if he's still up in Canada and not back uh, in the the U.S. capital. That's a heck of a story, isn't it? And finally, in Winnipeg last week, I speculated on Tyler Myers' chances for a spike in scoring. Well, coincidentally, he's responded now with six points in his last seven games. His ownership is up 9% to 60% overall now that he's accumulated that that nice little streak and then back on a 40-point pace that we haven't seen out of him since his rookie season. In Nets, an injury to Steve Mason described as a concussion could he keep him out for a while. That means Hellebuck, who has seen a heavy workload all season, is going to get the lion's share going forward as well. He's got the lo- 
top job locked up. But I'm interested to see if they give Eric Comrie a little bit of a look. He's a, a top prospect that they've been counting on for a little while. He'll get his first look in the NHL over the next few weeks. If they would have listened to me early on, this would have been their tandem right out of the gate, and they would have saved big bucks on Steve Mason's long-term deal. That was a head-scratcher for both of us, and now I'm sure they're scratching their heads in the Winnipeg front office too. Well, I do think they're going to highlight Comrie, if only to kind of uh, potentially dangle him out there as like a potential trade option in the future. I mean, given the age of of, uh, Connor Hellubuck, as long as he continues to perform well, he's going to be the starter for this club for a long time which means that Comrie becomes uh, a trade piece. Uh, And as with other clubs, we talked about three lines of scoring. In Winnipeg, it's four lines of scoring. You've got Matthew Perot, who's got five goals, two assists in his last seven games back from injury in a fourth-line role. Now, some of that does come uh, in a boost that despite a technically fourth-line role, he does play on the power play with them. But that's still pretty significant production uh, from a fourth liner. They've got a guy like uh, Matt Hendricks who's chipped in, uh, you know, somewhat. Uh, Joel Armia is capable of throwing in a few points here and there. In fact, he just got two in his most recent game against Minnesota. So for other clubs where they're looking at how to get scoring out of three lines, you've got Winnipeg getting scoring out of all four. Connor Hellubuck playing phenomenally in goal. Uh, This is a really, really dangerous Jets team. AJ, we've talked through all the 31 teams. Now it's time to show some love for our friends at FanDuel. Fantasy football is there for everyday fans. There's new contests starting every week. There's no busted seasons, just something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from, starting at just $1. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch them score in real time. Now, in looking back to uh, week the last week in the NFL, the makeover in the NFC seems complete with four different division leaders that we, than we saw here last year, including our two favorite teams, AJ. While in the AFC, the Steelers and Patriots are once again the power brokers that everyone else is chasing. The Saints finally lost a game, and we were reminded of just how solid the Rams' defense could be in that tilt. Jared Goff also showed that he's rapidly improving as a high-end quarterback option, too. I'm also happy to report that I'm still in first place, having represented Rotowire in the first ever fantasy show convention league, which held a live draft in Toronto, AJ. The prize for that thing is a WWE-style wrestling championship belt. I'll be looking forward to pictures with that in the near future, I hope. (laughs) But in the meantime, uh, in that particular league, I have Drew Brees and Mark Ingram. They had quiet weeks for the Saints. But I was fortunate. I have Julio Jones, who went off to pace my squad in the passing game with a plus 40-point week. Deion Lewis and Adrian Peterson also had nice weeks in the ground game for me as well. Well, for me, in in season long, I continue to ride Leonard Fournette in in most of my leagues uh, and have yet to convince myself that it's okay to drop Aaron Rodgers. Uh, (laughs) Obviously, a little bit of an emotional side that I think if the team can try and figure out a way to be at least in contention for for the wild card spot it would make sense to bring him back in and i'm kind of banking on that uh for some late uh, late season uh points out of him 
Daily continues to be a struggle for me. I just can't seem to put together the right combination of guys. I'll get one that, one or two that do well, and then one or two that bust. Uh, from my end, I guess I should just stick to hockey at this point, Paul. <laughs> Over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel. You and I have hit the pay window many, many times, so we're happy to, to talk about these experiences. To take advantage of our special offer from new, new users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than $1 million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Of course, these contests are void where prohibited. All right, it's time for our FanDuel DFS segment, AJ. Why don't you run through tonight's schedule first? All right, so it starts off with the, the Lightning traveling to Buffalo. Uh, now, Tampa Bay is minus 190, which for me seems uh, actually low, uh, I guess because they're on the road. But this is one game where I would have expected that money line to be up over 200 uh, in favor of the Lightning. You've got a six over under in that contest. I would expect most of those goals are coming from Tampa Bay. Uh, in the next game, you got Vancouver visiting the Islanders. Again, New York favored minus 170 in this one, a 5.5 over under. Uh, To me, that seems a little one-sided in the other way. I think the Canucks are a slightly better team than people are giving them credit for, especially to the players uh, that we highlighted earlier. You got Florida coming off a back-to-back as they travel to New York to play the Rangers. And then San Jose against a Flyers team that lost in overtime uh, last night, uh, another 7 o'clock outing. And then the last 7 o'clock game is Carolina at Columbus. Uh, That's, again, the Blue Jackets on a back-to-back. So there's no lines for those yet. Uh, that from what we've found, but I would expect that uh, those three clubs coming in off the back-to-backs are going to, you know, probably not be favored, or if they are, they're only going to have a slight edge. Right. Uh, at 7:30, we've got the Kings traveling to Detroit. LA a minus 115 in that one. You've got Chicago uh, on the tail end of a back-to-back at Nashville at eight o'clock. Uh, that's one where I would expect the Predators to probably be favored. You've got a tired Chicago team heading into the proverbial lion's den of Bridgestone Arena where the Predators just don't like to lose. Paul, your club is on the road against Calgary at 9 o'clock. You've actually got the Flames favored in this one, a minus 115 with a 6 over under. That's really just a home matchup edge at minus 115 that they're giving to Calgary. Arizona travels to Edmonton. Uh, the Oilers, big favorites in this one, despite their struggles, a minus 195, 5.5 over under in that contest. And then the late, late game of the night, Dallas travels to the desert facing the Golden Knights, who are favored minus 115. Again, that's mostly going to be due to the home advantage uh, that the Golden Knights face in that matchup. Uh, for me, obviously, I think the big game of the night is Chicago at Nashville. Uh, I'll probably also tune in to the Tampa at Buffalo just to see uh, is some significant goal scoring I'm anticipating out of the Lightning in that one. Uh, so a big, uh, pretty decent sized slate, some great games. Paul, uh, which ones are you taking a look at tonight? Well, I'm going to encourage you strongly to tune into the beginning segment of the Leafs-Calgary game just because uh, on the weekend past, the Toronto Argonauts upset the Calgary Stampeders to win the Canadian Football Championship. A stunning turn of events late in that game. The Argos scored two of their touchdowns on 
plays that were over 100 yards in length. So, and the, play, the game was played in a driving snowstorm. So it was a visual spectacle, the likes of which you probably don't see too often unless you're in Green Bay in, uh, in anywhere from December to, to February yourself. But this was a stunning story, and there's going to be a real hostile environment awaiting both clubs, I think, in this one here. A star, certainly a long, large Toronto contingent makes this trip, so it'll be compelling viewing from the opening set. Uh, talk about compelling viewing. The Vegas Knights are compelling viewing since they've climbed to the top of their division standings. They're reading a great story there, so I'm going to tune in for a bit of that too. And uh, the Canucks-Islanders game, probably the best matchup on the night, featuring two strong scoring lineups. I think they threaten the over-under over, uh, figure in that one quite easily too. What about your picks here, AJ? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to start off uh, with uh, a pair of high high price uh, centers for myself. I'm going to go with Austin Matthews uh, for the Leafs and John Tavares with the Isles. I think these matchups are, are favoring both these guys. Uh, I've saved some money elsewhere in order to spend up pretty big at the center position, uh, but I think both guys are worth it. Now, where I've saved that money is in a dual kind of Vancouver, Tampa Bay stack. Some guys that we've highlighted Starting with Vladislav Nemestikov, 6,500 tonight. Tampa's facing Buffalo. Uh, That's a pretty weak team. I expect a lot of goals out of the Lightning tonight. Uh, Nemestikov's my high-priced winger here. Then I go with Brock Boser, who we've talked about. I think Vancouver at the Islanders. As I said, I think the, the Canucks are a better team than people are giving them credit for. And then two guys who aren't getting enough love, in my opinion, on FanDuel and are coming in really cheap. Sven Berchi, who you talked about, Paul, is just 4100 And Yanni Gord, who I've highlighted all season, is just 3900 These are two guys playing uh, top six roles and putting up top, you know, top six points. Yet their salaries are still uh, exceedingly low on FanDuel. I think that's probably due to low usage uh, for those guys. So that Tampa Bay Vancouver stack is as uh, my my wingers on defense. Matthias Ekholm is only forty six hundred. Look, another guy we've talked about. He's really excelled lately and has put up pretty uh, significant production. And then Ivan Provorov is forty five hundred. He's hit a little bit of a downturn of late, uh, you know, but has still two assists in his last three games. His blocks, I think, could be a little bit higher, uh, but he's certainly capable of giving you mid to high teens. And at a low price tag of forty five hundred, I think he's certainly worth it. For me, there's only one netminder really to use tonight. Big price tag, but that's Andre Vasilevsky for ninety two hundred. Facing that Sabres team again, I anticipate he'll have a, a good uh, night, could potentially see a shutout, uh, and I think uh, a great usage tonight. Now, I won't begrudge anybody, as I said, that wants to use Aaron Dell tonight. I think he's got a decent matchup. I'll tweet out a lineup later today uh, that includes him. I haven't finalized how that'll all shake out, but you could get some pretty good savings using a guy like Dell, and I expect him to have a good night. So that's uh, that's how my lineup uh, shaked out. Paul, who are you utilizing? Well, I'm setting a record by using two Vegas Knights in my lineup. I haven't done anything like that all season long. Topping the list is Willie Carlson. I've highlighted him. $6,500 value. This team's been lights out at home. Uh, that's a strange thing to say about lights in Vegas, but the lights will be on. <laughs> and, and I think Carlson will be a big, big producer there against a team that's suspect defensively. Uh, pair him with Anze Kopitar, of course. We talked about the Kings' struggles, but 
I look at the Detroit uh, mix at center, and I don't think they have anybody that can corral this guy. And their defense is a little suspect, in my opinion, too. So $6,200 looks like money well spent there. And then I'm counting on the Blue Jackets to be a little bit tired and uh, a little upset, actually, after losing the game in Montreal last night. Wonder about their goaltending pick tonight. I don't know that Bobrovsky's going to be there. It's undetermined right now. Picking Jeff Skinner to face them. He's a high-energy guy, and uh, he can produce offense by himself. But he's got some friends there that help him out now. And so that's good value at $5,900. The second of my Vegas Knights is Riley Smith. I also profiled him earlier on the wing against Dallas. $5,400 the price tag there for a hot stick. Then I like Milan Lucic on the number one line in Edmonton. I get him for only $5,200 against Arizona. And uh, I think the Oilers have to be fired up about this matchup and should roll in this one. And then uh, in Tampa, I'm going to go with a guy you've touted all season long in Vladislav Nemesnikov against Buffalo. Easy pickings for the, the Bolts tonight, I think, in Buffalo. $6,500 a price tag there. On defense, I highlighted Nick Letty and Drew Doughty. I'm picking them, and I think their price tags are relatively modest considering what they're doing right now, 5400 5200 each. And I think my goalie lock is even more of a lock than yours, uh, AJ. When I look at the situation in the matchup between Florida and the Rangers, you highlighted James Reimer uh, playing for the Panthers on the second of back-to-backs. Rangers will be sitting in wait, and Ryan, uh, Lundqvist had the hot stick and goal there. So uh, I like that money, spending it on him. What does the optimizer say for us tonight? Well, I got to be perfectly frank. I think the optimizer is out of its mind, um, <laughs> but I'll run through it anyway. So Connor McDavid, 9400 can't begrudge that pick. Uh, he comes with a big price tag, but he always seems to find a way to produce. Vincent Trocek, the other center for Florida on the opposite end of that matchup that you talked about. 5700 uh, for all the reasons that you like Henrik Lundqvist. I don't like utilizing any Panthers tonight. And then the optimizer is going with Patrick Kane and Brandon Saad on the road in Nashville. And that's where I think uh, the optimizer uh, is a little off today. 8400 for Kane, 5800 for Brandon Saad. Any other night, I could certainly see utilizing these guys. But in, uh, in the Music City, I just don't. Uh, it's, it's a hard sell for me. Uh, optimizer goes to Mitch Mardner. For another winger, 4400 Decent price tag, uh, although it seems like he might be trending towards another slump. Uh, that's definitely a concern. Uh, but on the road, you talked about the electricity that could be around this game that might hen- help him. Henrik Capella of Florida, who uh, you touted for 3000 uh, That's really low, allowing you to spend in other places. But again, I don't like the matchup against Henrik Lundqvist, especially coming off the back-to-back. Optimizer goes with Brent Burns for 6600 The Flyers are on the tail end of a back-to-back. Burns finally got on the score sheet, so that is certainly a pick uh, worth considering. Brent Burns of Chicago. Again, I talked about his lack of production on the season. 4200 is too high of a price tag for me, especially in Nashville. And then Thomas Grice is the goalie for 7500 uh, I think Vancouver is a significantly better team than they have been in the past. They've got a lot of offense, and so I would hesitate to use Thomas Grice as well. Uh, so it'll be up to our listeners whether you want to tune in to my picks, Paul's picks, a combination of the two, or if you want to use the optimizer and see uh, which one shakes out the best. But uh, for me, my money is on Paul or I coming out on top of the optimizer tonight. Just to clarify that second defenseman, I think you said Burns twice. It was Brent Seabrook for Chicago for 4200 bucks. But I think you're right. The, the optimizer is 
it's going to be third best tonight. I think we should take a look at these lineups and tout the story and uh, give ourselves a pat on the back. I think it's a lock uh, that we come out ahead of them. And we remind our listeners, don't forget to check out our daily pods from Monday to Friday where we continue to cover all four major North American sports all year round in our DFS pods where we highlight FanDuel's best plays of the day. Now it's time for the stud of the week and uh, clear leader this week for me is Jonathan Marchesol. This is a guy that you discovered before I did last year, AJ, and all he's done since then is continue to score. He lapped the field last week with nine points. The next best was six, I think, in the NHL. The guy's got 21 points in 19 games played this season. He's still only collecting 750k in the final year of an expiring contract as a pending UFA symbolic of the quality cost combo that gm mcphee and his staff sought to add to this first year squad his ownership uh, rose by 13 percent last week and should continue to rise as long as he plays a top six role here he's proving that his 30 goal season with florida was not a fluke last year and i have to think how could the panthers possibly expose him to the draft uh, that allowed him to go to las vegas well, my initial thought on that was maybe cap concerns were at play here. Uh, they knew they were eventually going to have to pay him, uh, ex- and exposing him would have allowed them to keep some of their other pieces. But uh, it looks like the Panthers currently have over $6 million in cap space this season. Probably could have signed March to a long-term deal for around $4 million on the high end. Uh, if they had done it in the offseason, they might have been able to get him for two or three. Uh, they should have found a way to keep him because he's been a huge part of all the success they're having in the desert right now. And for the rant of the week, my uh, target is squarely on Gary Bettman, AJ. He's taking aim at Calgary. I'm taking aim at him. Simply stated, there are other ridiculous situations by comparisons that are more egregious than what's going on in Calgary. Canadian fans, particularly around Calgary, can't figure why he's threatening their franchise with relocation if they don't sort sort out their arena issues. Consider this, the average attendance in Calgary is 8th in the league with 18,588 paying patrons showing up on a nightly basis. I would think there should be more concern with other franchises who attend, whose attendance is at the bottom of the league. I'll ask you to consider this. Ranking 28 through 31, Arizona with an average of 13,500. Florida with 12,800. Islanders with 11,700. And finally, Carolina, last in the league with 11,665. Aren't these bigger issues, particularly in Arizona and Florida, who have been down at the bottom of this list for several years? I just don't get it. I wonder if it's a Canadian thing. Well, no, I mean, I think it all has to do with the usual stadium rigmarole that we see happen all the time. Uh, Public funding or we will move the team. I mean, that's the storyline across sports. uh, And it works because other cities are willing to pay. You look at the NFL, we have a professional team in the Chargers playing in a minimum capacity soccer stadium right now, all because of stadium financing and moving to L.A. Uh, I honestly don't really blame Bettman. He's just uh, the latest player in a long running issue that every league deals with. Uh, The threat of relocation has successfully worked, especially if the team's willing to move. And so it becomes this uh, this chip that teams feel they need to use. And I think Bettman's just the opening salvo for what will continue to be uh, probably a pretty contentious discussion uh, the rest of the way. Well, AJ, that wraps it up this week. I'm going to remind our listeners that 
I'm not going to be around next week to do the show with you, and I don't want to get Wally pipped in the meantime, okay? So uh, I'll be listening <laughs> to see how it turns out, but uh, I'll remind our, fr- our listeners to send their comments and questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. That's ajscholz 24 We hope you've enjoyed this show and circle back to get more roster updates, injury news, and other topical news from around the league on December 5th, uh, the next episode of podcast. Uh, so get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contest. So long, everybody. 